So for the last couple weeks, we have been looking at this topic of how to be generous. Not how to be generous with our time and talents, because we talk about that often, and, and, and a lot of us are doing that, but specifically, we've been talking about how to be generous with our finances. You see, Jesus talked about financial generosity, and he talked about it a lot because he knew it was the key to, if we could get this area right, he knew it was, that, that finances could keep us, and the love of money could keep us from having this incredible relationship with him. That our finances are something that we would find ourselves trusting in money and trusting in the love of money and, and trusting in what we falsely think finances and money provide. Things like, oh, money will provide me security. Money will provide me peace. Money will provide me contentment or, or security. And Jesus said, no, 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 I have a different way. And that's that you would trust in me. And so he knew financial generosity was the key to getting at what matters most to him, which is our heart. So Jesus, he just talked about it constantly. Uh, we don't necessarily do that in church, but Jesus talked about it constantly. In fact, he had to teach us over and over and over, and he just would say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry about money. Be content with what you have. I will provide for you, so put your trust in me, not in money. So we've built this series on this idea that you know, all of us here, we know how to give. We all know how to give to something somewhere when there's circumstances or situations when a need arises. And some of you figured out, man, this has been a profound thought for you that you've assumed by those random acts of giving, you've assumed, hey, I'm generous. And we've challenged that notion in this series because we've discovered that just because we give, that doesn't mean we're generous. They're two different ideas because generosity actually transcends our giving. And so God has been inviting every single one of us in here. And especially if you're here this morning and you're a Jesus follower, to, to just be extravagantly generous. Because if you and I can become extravagantly generous, not just with our time and talent, which is important, but also with our finances, we're going to do what? Remember what we've talked about? We're going to end up giving a whole lot more than just random acts of giving. We're going to save a whole lot more. And then we're going to consume far less. And that's going to help break that grip that materialism kind of grabs us and grabs our hearts and we just want, want, want. And this is what helps us break that in our lives. So every one of us in this room, no matter what your income level is, we can learn how to be generous. And last week when we talked about, because this has all been about the how, how to be generous, we said, remember what we said? We said the greatest obstacle to becoming generous is, that, is the way we think. Remember that? That we think and behave like a consumer more often than a generous person. You know the consumer mindset, right? Anything I have, I open my pocket, but whatever comes to me, it's for me and, and what I want. And yeah, I'll give from time to time, but I'm not going to give on a level that it's going to actually impact or change my lifestyle. I want the lifestyle I want, and so I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go after and span and span, and as a result, what do we end up doing? We create all this debt in our lives. Or at the minimum, we have very little uh, financial margin in our lives. So I'm just inviting you to, Get to the place where you, you just recognize you don't have a money problem. I don't have a money problem. That's not our issue. We have a spiritual issue. We have a spiritual problem. 
So the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, 17, to teach those who are rich in this world, which is us, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, but our trust should be in God. Man, this topic you and I are discussing, it is a deeply spiritual topic because at its core, we're not talking about money. Did you know that? At the core of what you and I are discussing, we're talking about faith. We're talking about trust in God. And so you and I would actually do well to spend more time than we actually do at church. More time thinking through, praying about, and talking about this topic regularly with those you're in relationship because it's a deeply spiritual topic as it deals with your faith and your trust in God. So Jesus tells those who are generous in Luke 12, he he tells us in that story is that generous people, they don't assume it's all for them. That's the consumer mindset. The generous person says, no, 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 I'll be generous and I'm going to direct some of my finances, some of my money towards God-related activities and I'm going to start doing that right now. Remember what we said last week, how do you do that? you got to fire yourself, remember that? Look at yourself, say, you're fired. Fire yourself as an owner of what's in your pocket and in your wallet and in your bank account. Don't be an owner of that, but become a manager. And manage it according to the way God wants you to manage it. And that will enable you to become rich towards kingdom-related priorities. I've had quite a few emails these last couple of weeks, as you've shared some of your stories, the good and the bad. And I appreciate it. I just, I really encourage you, pause, take time. In fact, write yourself a note now so you don't forget. Say, share my, share my story with Pastor Chris over what God's been doing during this series or this last year or the last two years through this Beyond Initiative. I love to hear it and walk alongside of you and rejoice with you and even pray with you if you're, as you're struggling, wherever you're at in that. I love this email that, that I received this email. This week, they said this, Pastor Chris, thank you for a great message this past weekend. I don't normally reach out in this way, but I felt God move in me to respond genuinely and vulnerably. Over the life of Beyond and Beyond Strong, I have not met my promise with LifePoint and God in regards to my family's commitment and tithing in general. Truth be told, I've displayed rather pathetic Christian family leadership in this regard. I've been mired in guilt about it constantly from a human perspective and conviction in my spirit as of late from the Holy Spirit. The message hit me like a ton of brick, much needed bricks. I've been so greedy with what God has abundantly poured out to my family and I'm deeply sorry. As someone who holds leadership positions within the church, I've been hypocritical in my actions. Sunday night, I fired myself. And I was reminded that it is necessary for me to operate my family's finances the way God desires and commands. I will strive to hold up and meet my end over the, uh, over the coming year, as well as look at ways my family can be outrageously generous. I got to tell you, that took guts to write that. I loved it. That's probably one of the greatest emails I've ever received. And some of you are like, you know, let me ask you this. Is anybody here in here, as you hear that, as you listen to that, and you praise God even over the vulnerability, is anybody looking at that person saying, oh, that person awful, get them out of here? Does that cross anybody's mind? No, of course not. You're like, you draw alongside of that person say, I can understand, and thank you for sharing, and I want to pray for you and help you and encourage you. That's what we're trying to do through this series, to be an encouragement to each other. 
I loved how the person said, man, I decided that was last Sunday. I decided this day I'm firing myself. It's time to change, change and go a new direction. Man, I want that to be your type of story, that you take what God's speaking to you and grow in your relationship with God in this area. So let me show you how all this works by revisiting the definition of generosity, because we said generosity is a premeditated plan. It's a calculated amount that you've prayerfully chosen, and then you designate where it's going to go. So today, uh, the title of the message, it's execution time. That's what today is, time to put our generosity into practice. And so today is literally one of those super practical messages that's why I say if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen so you get context. We're going to show you how to be generous in the hopes that, that for some of you, for the very first time, you will start traveling down the path of generosity. Maybe you've been a believer for 20, 30, 40 years. Maybe as this person, you've even been in leadership. And maybe for you, it's time to start traveling down this path. Others of you, you're already on this path, and this is going to help you keep going further down that path as you continue to work on your generosity. So let's talk through this together this morning. I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. So first, in order to be generous, generosity requires that you have a plan with your money or spending, to which some of you are like, listen, Chris, pastor, I'm not a planner. I don't plan anything right? Or as Dave Ramsey says, the financial expert, he says this, some of you are free spirits, which is code for not a planner, and some of you he calls nerds, which is a code for planners. Now, I want to see who we have here this morning so I know who we're talking about. So if you lean more towards the nerd side, which is the planning side of the equation with your finances, just raise your hand. I just want to see what we have in the room. Okay, so, so we have a bunch of you who are that nerd side. If you lean more towards the free spirit side, you'll just kind of figure it out as you go. And the non-planner, raise your hand. Okay, so, and then, and then uh, the, no, the, the non-planners who are embarrassed to raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, that means you were probably a non-planner. Now, how many of you, if you're married have had your fair share of, shall we say, lively discussions because one of you is a planner and one of you is not a planner? Raise your hand if you've had some of those lively discussions, right? Yeah, so a bunch of you, you've been there. Uh, You get it. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to help all the free spirits in here to understand something. Now, all you nerds planners, rule for you right now. You cannot do any poking or any nudging with what I'm about to say, okay? You cannot, that that is not allowed in this room this morning. You can't bring it up later as a way to kind of jab, but but this is important for us to understand. To all of you non-planners, I want you to understand, you actually do have a plan. You really do. You just don't know it. You have a plan, you just know it because you've never thought through it. You've never written it down. Everybody here has a plan. The problem for some of us in the room, we all have a plan. It's just that some of us have a really bad plan when it comes to our finances. And if you don't know what your plan is, it's probably a bad plan because, and here's why, you rarely drift in a good direction. In other words, We plan towards what is good, 
but we drift towards what is bad. That's a principle you can apply to just about anything. The Delfts family, we're all getting ready to head out of town this week for Thanksgiving. But we have been so busy that we haven't talked about the plan of heading out of town for a week. So it was Thursday night, and Heather and Callie were leaving the next morning. So late Thursday, we finally talk about the plan that we have drifted into. Are you tracking with me here? So we discover in this plan that we drifted into, oh, we want to take bikes. Guess what? Two of our bikes have flats. We decide on a particular vehicle that we're going to take. Guess what? Or that they're going to take. It's way over the mileage and needs an oil change. And the tires rotated like 4,000 miles over when it should have been uh, done. Thank you very much, teenage son Cameron. We drifted into a bad plan. So Friday became a scramble, and Heather and Callie had to end up leaving late, really late. They ended up uh, sleeping literally on the side of the road, like they'd drive down the state, and, and she couldn't drive anymore. She was halos and all this stuff and seeing things, so she'd pull over. And it took her 14 hours to get to Pasadena. If we had actually planned, we could have got the oil changed. We could have bought, uh, bought bike tubes to make every, sure everything's okay. We plan towards what's good, but you and I, we drift towards what's bad. In fact, do you know anyone who has ever drifted into the weight loss they seek? <laughs> right? No way. Never. We drift towards what is bad, but we plan towards what is good. And so let's bring it back to what we're talking about this morning. You don't drift into a life of generosity. Drifting's a bad plan. In fact, if you have not purposefully come up with a plan, it's very likely that your plan is something like this. I will consume it first. Whatever comes to me, I will consume it first. I'll save a little bit if I can, and if there's anything left over, then I'll give it. Now, i got to tell you, that's fine as a giving plan. It really is. And if you want to give from time to time, if you have it, you give it. That's terrible as a generosity plan. In fact, if you don't pre-decide about your money, I, I can just tell you that the kingdom of God and his kingdom priorities will always get your leftover money. Always. It's just a bad plan. So how do you become financially generous? You have a plan. That's the premeditated part. That's the on-purpose part. And by the way, maybe you made a beyond commitment two years ago. Or you joined the church in the, uh, you know, a year and a half ago or something, and you joined in a year ago with Beyond Strong. And you've struggled to reach your goal. You're looking at the next couple months left in this, in this you know, initiative, and you're thinking to yourself, there is no way I'm going to fulfill my commitment. You really want to. You desire to. But you're way off. Now, for some of you who, if that's the case, not all of you, but chances are you're way off because you didn't have a good plan. 
that you plan for. Obviously, there might be some here because of hardship and, and financial changes and all that. I'm not talking about that group of people. I'm talking about those of you who the Holy Spirit has been talking to you the last few minutes and have helped you, the Holy Spirit helped you realize, man, I just never had a good plan to tackle that commitment that I made, that I prayed about, that the Lord and I had talked about, and, 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 and if you're married, you had talked about and you were excited about. But you never had a plan. And i got to tell you, that's okay. I would encourage you that you can start today. You can create a plan to begin fulfilling what the Lord has laid on your heart two years ago or a year ago. That you can do that. And in the next few minutes, I'm going to help you with that. Because that's something God put inside of you. And maybe some of you are saying, I'm just wanting the two years to be over so I can move beyond that. But i got to tell you, the Holy Spirit might be working on you and say, remember, that was never, ever, ever, ever about the money. It was always about what God was trying to work in you and do in you. And some of you, God's been working on you saying, okay, we're just taking the long road to get there because I want to use that in you. Kind of like that person in the email saying, I, you know what, I'm starting now. Because this is a commitment me and God have been working on. And I wanted, it took me two years to start addressing trust. And it's okay. Because today we're helping you with that. And you can begin. So have a plan. Then number two, second part is generosity is calculated. Calculated means that you and I determine ahead of time how much. You pick an amount, or better, you pick a percentage, because the first part of any great generosity plan is that you calculate. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, it says this, Each man should, decide, should give what he has decided in his heart to give. You make a decision, you pray about it. How much? You need to know ahead of time, how much am I going to give? And the best way to think about this, I would encourage you, is to think in terms of percentages. That it's not spontaneous, that it's not sporadic, that it's not sparing, that it's not just, you know, just another $20 here or there. Practically speaking, generos percentage generosity is just practically the best way to calculate that amount. And since you and I are never going to drift into generosity, the best plan is, uh, is to give it before we consume it. Give it before we consume it. The key to our generosity is reorganizing, reprioritizing our finances. So we switch the list from, well, if I have any, I'll, I'll give some of it, to actually now choosing to give it first. It's flipping that list that I mentioned earlier, and it becomes this new motto that we've, ta we've talked about over the years. And it simply is, is this, give, save, live on the rest. Give first, save second, live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. Dave Ramsey says in his, in his Financial Peace University, he says this, the first line item in your budget is to be giving. Second line item is savings. We just heard that uh, two weeks ago when he shared, um, uh, when about 90 of us gathered at that simulcast. So when I get paid, and when I, or when I get my bonus, or when I get my tips, or when I get my inheritance, or whatever comes my way, I'm going to give a percentage first as a priority to be enriched towards God. I received this email that, that also grabbed me. 
person said this, Dear Pastor Chris, we don't make lots of money by American standards. As a matter of fact, we live from paycheck to paycheck. We try to live frugally with the attitude that we have no need to impress others with material possessions. But we have never given more money away as we do now. We are up to about 15% a month, plus emergency help to others when we are led by the Lord to do so. And have never had more money in the bank, even though our income has not increased. Now I want you to think about that. When you practice generosity, what have we said? You will give more. You will save more. You'll consume less. They go on and say, logically, from an earthly view, it doesn't make sense. But God is so much bigger than our tiny perspective. But we do know that the Lord is faithful to his word. And then they go on, they say, we can tell you that one of the best feelings to be had is giving money to those in need. The Lord has blessed us in so many ways. We are indeed rich. Material things are only a small part of it. And as you said, when we give to give or help others, he in turn gives us more and more resources to enable us to keep doing so. He thus increases our joy, which is so much more important than money. God is truly amazing. And that's the type of testimony that God desires for all of us. I read that and that inspires me to say, I want to get even be more generous in my life. Our calculated generosity is first a priority. You don't get to 15% if it's just whatever's left over. It's first a priority. But guess what? Second, it's progressive. In other words, you decide, you know what? I want to be generous, but it scares me. How many of you over the years, have you been a Christ follower a long time and you know this era of your life isn't where you and God want to be? How many of you have thought over the years, I really want to, but I'm nervous and I'm scared and I got the bills and I got this and I worry and I know you did the series on do not worry and do not fear and do not doubt and do not be afraid, but I still do. And some of you have been there and some of you are there right now. Generosity can be progressive. So maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to start out with something. I'm going to start out with 2% of my income. I'm going to start out with 5%. I'm going to start out with 8%. I'm going to start out with 12%. Whatever it is, the key is to start. Now, I can tell you this. Having spent the last 25 years studying, learning, and teaching about financial stewardship, I can tell you right now this is the key critical component to the generosity equation. I'm just telling you right now, this is key. Give it first as a priority and then just pick an amount, a percentage, and get started. Don't focus on where you want to be one day. Just start now. Or as Dave Ramsey asks the question, how do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? And what's the answer? One bite at a time. You start. There's this family in our church who, they made a sizable commitment to be on two years ago. And they've been sharing their story with me throughout the last two years. And after they had made their commitment, almost immediately they fell on hard times. There is no possible way they could see their commitment happening. But for them, they recognized that beyond was a trust and faith journey that God was doing in their lives. And so they decided progressive is good. 
So we're going to do what we can now. They've been faithfully giving to the Lord the last 22 months. What's amazing is when they, they just recently were looking at it and telling me it's actually turned out to be a sizable amount in spite of their circumstances, and they're blown away. They're blown away because their circumstances were so awful. Well, recently their circumstances have been changing for them for the better, finally. And so they've recently been praying about and thinking through and saying it's time to increase. And they anticipate, by God's grace, to be able to fulfill their commitment by the end of 2018. Not a commitment to me, not to LifePoint. This is something between them and God. But they could have never got there if they didn't start somewhere. And over the last 22 months, even in the midst of financial hardship, with them being content and okay with knowing it's going to have to be progressive, the Sack B did an article just this morning about saving money, and uh, which again goes back to this pr- uh, principle. And the whole point of the article was that you start somewhere and that you save in terms of a percentage. They, they said to pick an amount, a percentage. Um, and in fact, uh, so there was the article this morning as I was reading, and let me just quote one part of it. It said this, Set aside, uh, setting aside a small incremental amount of your earnings will help you slowly build savings. Once you have that down, increase it another percentage point and so on. The principles financially, God's, these are good principles that God says you can practice and put into place. So start off with a percentage of your income that you will give. And over time, you bump up that percentage. And you know what will happen eventually one day? You'll be eventually in the ballpark of where you want your generosity to be and what you want it to look like. Now, last part of the calculated part, how often do you give? People ask me that all the time. How often do you get? I just say the easiest, simplest plan is every time you get paid. You get paid once a month, give once a month. You pay twice a month, give twice a month. Every two weeks, give every two weeks. If you're like my father was, who for years... He bought and sold, you know, real estate, like, like dirt, raw dirt. And, and he would go sometimes a year or two or even three without receiving a dime. But I can remember when that piece of dirt sold, he would write, he had to write, not had to, he wrote a huge check to God. The same day he deposited the money from the sale of that dirt. And that always left this huge impression on me that he knew God was first. And then he would save some because he didn't know when he was going to get paid again. And then we would live off the rest. How often do you give? Whenever you get paid. Otherwise, you will spend it. And then you won't have anything to give. The Apostle Paul instructed the Corinthians and he gave them a similar plan. Did you know that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, he said, On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. We become generous by choosing an amount or a percentage and giving it first before we spend it, and then over time, we increase it. Now, here's the fun part. Desig- uh, generosity, finally, thirdly, is, is designated. It's designated. What do I mean by that? That means that you choose ahead of time where you are going to send it. 
And here's what I love, what Jesus said. We, we quote this verse often. Again, this is one of those verses I just encourage you to talk about year-round. Even if we don't talk about it at church, so you talk about it with friends so you can get this right. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 21, your heart will be where your treasure is. Which means wherever you're putting your money and spending your money, your heart's going to be there. It's going to be a part of that. And so this is how you actually connect your money and your heart. You pre-decide where you're going to give. So how do you choose where to give? That's always the question. Where? Now you're in church, and so I would tell you that the simple and easy, you know, biblical answer that is often referenced in churches, people, uh, pastors, preachers, teachers, they'll say, hey, go turn to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And and I want you to track with me through my logic here. And and, and it says this in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe. The word tithe literally means 10%. That's where people come up with that number. Bring the whole tithe, literally 10%, into the storehouse, which that was a reference to the temple in Jerusalem. And the the Jewish people had to receive that instruction in Malachi 3.10 because we discover in two verses prior they weren't doing it. And God wanted them to do it. And in two verses earlier, because they weren't doing that, God said to the Israelites, you're robbing God. Pretty strong language, isn't it? Can you imagine someone standing up on stage and saying, if you're not doing this, you're robbing God. Now, we're not going to do that. We're not going to say it. We're going to say it like that, but not say it, right? No, no. Because I've got to track where I'm headed here because we're going to do a caveat to all this in a minute. And then by not giving the whole 10% of their income, God said in verse 9 of Malachi 3, he said, you're not giving that whole thing. You're robbing God. Then he said this to the Israelites. I'm so glad he didn't say it to you and me. He said, you're cursed i got to tell you, out of all the things I want God saying to me, the one thing I don't want God saying to me is you're cursed. Right? I'm not, that's one thing, because it's God. I mean, curse from from a friend or something is going to look one way. Curse from God, oh my goodness. God's reprimand of Israel in that passage was a direct reference to the Mosaic law. And, and, And the law said that the people's tithes, their tenth, was to be given to the Levites, so that the house of God would not be neglected. And then you can see that cross-reference in, in Nehemiah chapter 13. Now, any good Bible student will understand that this teaching is excellent, but it is not a law for Christians, to which all of us say, thank you, Jesus. Right? We're like, hallelujah. I don't have to give anything. Hold on there. Any good Bible student will know that this passage is talking to Jewish people and giving to a Jewish temple. So you and I are not bound by this to say, okay, we have to give, you know, to the local church. But any discerning, maturing Jesus follower is able to wisely recognize that the principle behind the passage is incredible. The principle behind the passage is, is something for us to consider. And if we are seeking to understand the heart of God in this passage, you and I understand, don't miss this, we are not bound by law to the Malachi passage. And if a pastor gets up and tries to use that to bind you as that some kind of New Testament Christian command, they're missing the context. We are not bound by it as a law. But I will say to you, it's certainly an incredible principle to apply. 
that there's incredible principles throughout the Old Testament that add value into our lives today. And so this is why a preacher or a teacher will often reference that our giving to God through a local church is a great place to start, to kick off our generosity. And that's often why they'll use the term tithe or tenth as a, you know, as a starting point. And some people are working up to it and some surpass it. And, but that's where they come up with all that. As I mentioned earlier, the Delphs family didn't have a good plan this week as we get ready to head out of town. Right? Remember, vehicle 4,000 miles over for the oil change. So I try to be a good dad Friday morning. I had a busy day. I was like, all right, I'll get up. I'll go take the vehicle down and get the oil changed and tires rotated. But I was thinking, hey, maybe this is a time I really need to teach my son a lesson. Like, I was going through the whole thing. You guys ever do that? And sometimes you're like, you're, you're just like, today's lesson day, right? So, right? Sometimes you do that. And sometimes you're like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll learn it a different way. So I was in the mood to say, ah, oh, we'll learn it a different way. I really wanted to help Heather and Callie get out of town. And so I get into Cam's vehicle, and I know I need to grab his wallet out for him. You know, you can't leave it in the car. And what I saw just caused the proud dad thing in me to well up. He had his wallet in the, dryer, in the door with two envelopes. And I want to show you one of the envelopes. Can you read that in the back? And I saw that and I was like, rock on. He's getting what we're teaching him. I, I knew nothing about that. That's him. That's, I mean, we talk about this stuff a lot. Because I want to set them up for financial success, for honoring God, for generosity, and for taking care of me when I get old. And, and <laughs> if that has to be your motivation, go for it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. By the way, I'm encouraging every single student to come down. They're going to be inviting them to come down next service, sit in these front rows and listen. If you're taking your, your son or daughter home after this service, would you encourage them to stick around? Because even if you don't want to get this right, this will help them. What we're talking about, and you want your kids to get this generosity thing right so they're not dealing with debt and all those things. So I would encourage you, like, no, I, you know, I don't want to come back to church or whatever. Really? For your kids? So encourage them to stick around, fill these front rows. And we do have some designated drivers. If you're like, I can't come back, we will get them a ride. Okay? That's how serious this is. That's how we take this. And so I love what I saw with my son. I thought, praise Jesus, he's practicing what we've talked to him. But I want to expand your thinking a little this morning on where to give. You and I are not bound by 10% to give to the, you know, to the storehouse. That's not, we're binding us, but it's a great principle to apply. And Jesus is talking about getting our heart. So I want to talk about our heart for just a moment as we get ready to wrap up. As you seek where to give to God, I, I, you know what? I hope that your heart is giving from a grateful heart and from a broken heart. As you think about the where, and I want to ask you, do you have an incredible gratefulness to God for the local church? That's something you start asking yourself, that you're grateful because it's where God fills you up with the teaching of his word, and that you get lifted up and, and, and learn how to be a Christ follower 
that the local church is where you go to be with other believers to lift up and exalt and praise the name of Jesus together because it's not about us, it's about him. And we do that corporately together, that we participate in communion together because it's not just some private little religion, it's about what God's doing in unifying the body of Christ. Are you grateful for that? If you have children or nieces or nephews or grandchildren... Are you grateful that God is using the local church to grow their faith and build Christian relationships and learning how to live out God's plan for their life? Do you have that heart of gratefulness? Is your heart broken over those who are lost and need Jesus to be their Savior? Is your heart broken and that you know that the local church, the bride of Christ, is God's plan for the world? We say the phrase, the church is the hope of the world. That Jesus has chosen the church to disseminate his good news message for those who need Jesus. Is your heart broken for those who are lost? And so if you love the local church and if you're grateful to God for the local church and if you're broken over those who need Jesus, the local church is a great place to send your dollars to God. Man, I can say this, if you don't have that love and gratitude and thankfulness to God for his local body, I would just invite you to spend some serious time between you and the Lord. Really, go, you and God start working and praying and talking through and figure out what's going on and why and what needs to change in you or what, what, what's going on so you can have that incredible love for the bride of Christ. I read this quote, and I just loved it. It says this, Who is to give to the Lord's work? The Christian. He gives systematically, sacrificially, and joyfully. To whom does he give? To Christ. For what does he give? For the cause of Christ, not to a man or to a church, not for gain, but for the gospel. Man, what a great way to describe it. What a great way to describe it. Final note on this. For a lot of us who've begun to really get dialed in on our generosity by giving through the local church, I would encourage you a next great step. Uh, for some of us, you're not there yet. For some of you, your next great step is to increase your generosity by looking at causes and charities that address the heartaches of society. That you would consider, you know, our family, our hearts are broken over children who don't have adequate food and clothing and shelter and, and education. And so Compassion International does an awesome job of partnering with the local church. So we sponsor a couple children. Our hearts are broken over those in the Sacramento region who are just super poor. And so we give the Love, Inc. to help and assist those who are less fortunate. And finally, our hearts are broken over just what's happened to the family in general. And so Drew and Jen Baltzley, who used to go to our church, who were missionaries that we as a church support and supported, and some of us here do, they work hard to help families experience what Jesus desires for their family, so we participate there as well. And some of you think, hey, Pastor, those last couple things you just said about giving elsewhere, are you sure you should be doing that? I mean, if you start saying to give elsewhere instead of the church, aren't you, aren't you worried about that? Aren't you worried that if, if people are going to, you, you give people permission, they're going to direct their dollars elsewhere? I'm not concerned about it, and here's why. My hope my prayer, my vision is that LifePoint is a group of people who has just incredible generosity that permeates through all of us. And so I got to tell you, if every single one of us become generous like we're talking about and like we're describing, 
there's plenty of money to get it all done. To accomplish God's mission and ministry and missions right in the church and outside the church. So you're going to give. You're going to give the rest of your life. You just will. But I want to encourage you. God's great desire is that you live a generous life. Yeah, generous with your time and talents. Absolutely. We talk about that a lot. But also financially generous. To stop trusting in money and start trusting in God by being rich towards God. And so how do you get there? You have a premeditated plan. You calculate an amount or a percentage. You designate where you're going to send it. You pre-decide where you're going to send it. And you do it first before you consume it. That's how you be extravagantly generous. So I want to invite you. It's go time. It's execution time. Will you commit to being extravagantly generous? For those of us in here who are Jesus followers, and that's our number one heart and priority, we all the more are motivated by this. And when we do, we'll give more, we'll save more, and we'll consume less. And, and you'll experience, excuse me, what Dave Ramsey said about financial generosity. He said, giving is possibly the most fun you will ever have with your money. And as Jesus said, you'll be far happier if you commit to generosity as a way of life. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want you to take a moment and you speak to the Lord what God has been speaking to your heart and you share with him and you say to God what you're going to do. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. What are you going to commit to God this morning? Lord Jesus, our finances are deeply spiritual topic. And I pray, God, even if people aren't ready to fully embrace it, I pray that they've heard that message. That they've heard that just because we give doesn't mean we're generous and you've invited us to live gener a generous life. But God, I pray more and more of us would pursue it further. And God, as you've heard the prayers of your people, I pray, God, that more and more people will rise up and live the type of generosity that you have for them. God, that we can be people who just, people look at life point and, and they think they may not know what we believe, they may not even know all the details, but they know, man, that's a group of people who are generous. And God, that's part of the way we can be a light to the world. So God, would you just use this series to change us, to be more like Jesus. You tell us that you loved us so much that you gave us your son. Jesus at the core is this generous giver, and we want to be like Jesus. God, right now as we come to give this offering to you, some of us, based on the last couple weeks, today's a new day for us. It's a new way of starting. God, for some of us, uh, we know we're getting paid in a week or two, and we're, we're ready. And we're maybe even going to write that check today and set it aside so when we get paid, we're ready to go. God, use all of this for your glory. Change us so that we can be more like Jesus in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.